We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room Production. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast here giving the Locker Room Q&A. As always, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be hosting a live Q&A with all the listeners on Locker Room. If you don't already know, for those of you listening to the recorded version of this, you can join us every single Tuesday, 8 p.m. Just download the Locker Room app, wait for me to put out the tweet for it, or you can download the app and put on notifications and you'll hear it there. Uh, Nick should be joining us very shortly. Um, not, I'm not sure when, but he'll be here soon. It's going to be me and Nick tonight. Um, and just a little more house cleaning before others show up in the room and we get this thing going. Please, if you would like to help us out and grow the show, do us a favor, head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review, hopefully five stars. If not, you will be called out as Kwame can attest to. Also, please do us a favor. We started a YouTube page. It's Big Blue Banter on YouTube. All you have to do is type in Big Blue Banter. You'll see our logo there. Please do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button on the Big Blue Banter YouTube page. Head over to YouTube. Watch a couple videos. Even if you only watch for a few minutes or leave it on in the background, do us a favor and do that as well. And also, as always, you can find us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. All right. That seems like we got all of that out now. So let's get right here and going with some of the people who have joined the queue. And by the way, one final thing. If you want to uh, talk with us, it's like a live Q&A show for those of you who are new to it. All you have to do is hit that microphone button in the bottom right of this room in your app right now. Once you hit that button, click request to speak. And then once you request to speak, 
at that point, we'll get you in the queue and we'll go from there. Um, but on that note, let's get this thing started. Uh, Nick, oh, actually, Nick, how you doing, man? Looks like you joined. Dude, draft week, man. This is it's one of my favorite weeks of the year, man. I'm, I'm so ready for it. What about you? I'm so ready for it. I wanted to be here already. I feel like the waiting game, the waiting is the hardest part, as Tom Petty once said. Um, if I had, hadn't said that, would you have gotten that reference, Nick? Um, well, I'm pretty sure that's a reference that's been used pretty universally. But, yeah, I am a fan of Tom Petty. Okay. All right. I was, it seems like you beat around the bush with that answer. I don't know if I'll accept that. <laughs> but, but maybe. But let's get to some of the speaker requests here. It looks like we got a couple coming in. David is first, so let's throw David in. How are you doing tonight, David? Hey, hey Great. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Yeah, I, I, I got to get on a work call uh, shortly, so I just wanted to thank you guys for all the great draft stuff. You know, I'm ready for the draft to be here. I'm really done kind of listening to every kind of conjecture, so um, I'm ready to get some new guys to root for and excited about the season and seeing about your – you know, getting into previewing the season kind of stuff. Um, so, but I just wanted to thank you guys for everything that you did because I definitely learned more about the draftable players this year than I ever had in the past. So I do appreciate you guys a lot. Just a general question about the team. Where where do you do you think that if they have the draft that, you know, say they, they get Devonta Smith and, you know, an offensive lineman, you know, to, to play the interior somewhere within the first few rounds. Where do you see this team heading into uh, heading into the season? Do you think they're a 10-win team? I, I First off, David, thank you so much for the kind words. And you're right, there is a lot of conjecture right now on draft Twitter, so we're all eager for the draft to happen. But honestly, I think this team can be a 10-win team if everything goes correctly. And a lot of it's going to be dependent on – on some things, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it's particularly Daniel Jones' development and the offensive line's development. Will bringing in Rob Sale really help Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux's kind of progression and allow them to become the go from like more jag type players to average to above average starters? If those things can happen, then yeah, I do believe this Giants could be a ten win team and they should win this division. Yeah, and again, David, thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. We, you know, this is what we're going for. We're happy when somebody like you, a fan who's been, somebody who's been a fan of the show for a while, um, appreciates all the content and the work we're putting out there because the goal is to do this for you guys. I mean, we love doing this, obviously, and there's a little money in it for us, but mostly it's to interact with you guys and to put out a really good product. So when we hear that you're enjoying it, it definitely makes me feel really good. And to answer your question, I'll say this. I don't like to look at these things, you know, from my perspective as much because I do feel like I am in a bit of a bubble when it comes to the Giants, having covered this team so much and for so long. So instead, let's point to somebody like Mike Clay, who works for ESPN. He used to be my boss at Pro Football Focus. He does really good projections. I say, honestly, his projections might be the best in the business. If you really went back and looked at everyone's projections for strengths of roster and for, you know, the coming season, I'd say Mike Clay's are probably up there with anyone's. And he earlier this offseason after the free agency, said that according to his projection, the Giants have a top eight roster going into 2021. And so they have a really good roster. Like Nick said, it will come down to three things in my mind. One, can Jason Garrett improve his offensive system? Can Jason Garrett learn from his mistakes? And can Jason Garrett have maybe less of a say? Because ultimately, I think that will be the big thing there because I just don't trust a guy that old who's done 
not old, but that who's had that many years running that same system to change it dramatically. But small changes can help. Two, will the offensive line hold up? We all know this. There's no team. There's no 10 wins. There's no 11 wins without an offensive line next year. And then obviously three, can Daniel Jones regress? But I think honestly, even if you just got what we saw from Daniel Jones in that four or five game stretch before the injury last season, when me and Nick both thought he made great improvement, if you can just get that version of him without him actually taking a step, but you get the step from Garrett and you get the step from the offensive line, that to me right there is 11 wins. And that's also, though, I think an important part is we're kind of expecting the defense to play like they did in 2020. That's not necessarily a given. Now, I believe they should take a step forward, adding Adoree Jackson to that cornerback two spot. Losing Dalvin Tomlinson is unfortunate, but we know how these things go. Sometimes defenses just take a regression backwards. I think with Patrick Graham running the show, that won't happen, but still, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think having McKinney for the full year is also sure. something that should not be understated because I, I think and he's going to be. For that matter. Yeah, the two of them in that secondary, you know, I do think they're – I love that they are going to the coverage importance model over the pass rush model for the most yeah. part because I do believe in that. I think the best defenses in the league the over the past few years have had that model. So I, I do like that they're actually using that approach, you know, going uh-huh. forward. So – Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for joining us, David. Be well, man. You too. All righty, let's see who is next. Next up is Stan McCune. What is going on, Stan? How you doing, my man? Stan, what's up, bud? Stan the man, you there? Stanley. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, what's up? Gotcha, Stan. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well, brother. Good, good. Hey, I just wanted to say... First off, because uh, I keep hearing people say that they've been listening to the pod since the church and days, and I just want to throw my hat in that ring. I've been listening to it since episode one. I've not listened to every single episode because you guys produce so much great content. But um, anyway, I've been listening to it a long time, and it's been great the whole time. So thank you guys. Really thank appreciate you. that, Stan. And uh, Nick, I got to know, um, you know, because you guys joke a lot about uh, your dietary habits. Do you ever do a cheat day? So I don't have many huge cheat days, but I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna catch some flack for this. My cheat days are Thanksgiving and my birthday. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, right, Stan? It's really unbelievable. I I have to think twice sometimes about like if it's real. I'll, I'll and, throw and, in a couple. And, and I remember how excited Nick got. I remember days. how excited Nick got around Thanksgiving time because he's like, "Yes, this is my cheat day. Day I go all in on Thanksgiving. I have ambrosia salad." I do it all. <laughs> what, what do you look forward to the most on your cheat day, Nick? Um, honestly, probably the sweets because I'm not a big – I don't really partake in any sweets throughout most of the year, but I'll have a couple pieces of pie. You know, I won't just relegate it to wow. one piece of pie or anything like that. So I'll have like cheesecake <laughs> or something like that, you know, pumpkin pie, apple pie. I'm a big pecan pie fan, pecan pie if you want to pronounce it that way. Wow. So I'll go in that direction. Okay. All right. Not not my pie choices, but uh, but okay. I'm doing that. Um, what do you so, expect from someone who had two cheat days a year? <laughs> at, at, at least go for a nice New York style cheesecake or something, you know. It's a, that's a good choice as well. I would imagine. <clears throat> you would imagine. You're, you're just imagining what this would be like. Um, exactly. Um, all right, football questions. So I've been trying to think. Uh, back because every year I feel like the draft is the giant Super Bowl for us as fans because it's like 
endless potential. And, you know, it's like the, it's like the only day of the year that we actually have a chance at like, <laughs> like doing something that's like interesting and like where we can actually be successful. It feels like, um, Uh-oh, I think Stan got hit with the... Uh, still there? Oh, looks like some internet issues for Stan. I see that low bar. He's got one bar going right now. Um, all right, Stan, we're going to keep you in the room, but we're going to go on to the next person for now, and you can jump back in after him if uh, if you can get back your internet connection. So for now, we're going to welcome on Dom until Stan can get back his internet. Day that's not on the draft. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe not. Stan, so you cut out for the vast majority of that question. Yeah, you got to start that whole thing over, Stan. Your your internet can't cut out. All right, one second. Let me go off my Wi-Fi here. All right, Dom, Dom, hang with us for a moment. You're, you'll be Okay. Back. All right, that's fine. Sorry, can you guys hear me? Gotcha, Stan. All right, all right. I, I'll try to abbreviate it here. So um, I, I feel like the draft is the giant Super Bowl every year for us as fans because it's like the one day of the year that like they actually do something that's like interesting and that we can like kind of celebrate. Um, and it's been a long time since I felt like they had like a something good happen during the season that we could celebrate. I'd probably say like the Odell one-handed catch was probably the, the last time that like I felt that way as a fan. Um so I'm curious how long, how far away you guys feel like we are for it to be a non like draft day, something during the season that we can like celebrate as fans. Honestly, I think somebody. Uh, Stan, do you mind just hitting hitting mute while you wait? Because it sounds like something's going on in the background there. It sounds honestly like you're frying up either bacon or chicken, and I know I already eat dinner, and I well, know that's me. Nick won't Nick won't eat any fried food, so it's we don't think either of us. So, so this frying yeah. in the background. I, I, I think like, I think that's Dom. I don't think that's me. All that's right, me. Dom. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove remove you for a second, buddy. All right. Wow. Well. that was interesting um all right nick you want to tackle this question first or me yeah sure first off i want to speak on dom's dietary habits because eating bacon at night is actually a pretty fun (laughs) i'm really happy for dom that he's probably doing that frying up bacon but honestly he's living his best life now he's living his best life and i support him for it stan but i think that uh, this year could be a year like that i mean it depends on how you feel about joe judge in this era i feel like a lot of giants fans are are supportive of of this current era of the Giants coaching staff and kind of what's going on right now. Maybe not as much for Dave Gettleman, but definitely for Joe Judge. So this would kind of be that first year last year. I mean, you win six and ten. Like, that's not great. No one's saying that is great. But there did seem to be this just different culture around the team as opposed to what we had with Ben McAdoo and what we had with Pat Shermer. Joe Judge seems to run a tighter ship. Seems like he has a different kind of – way he uh, intensity to his practice and just to him and himself so I, I i buy into joe judge to be honest and I, and I believe that this season if the giants you know string a couple winning streaks together which he hasn't done yet which we haven't really seen yet so we kind of need to see that but i think this year could be that year in a weaker division if the division stays weak where we start getting excited about games on sunday and it's not just oh well let's hope our rookies play well or our first year contract guys play well i'm hoping that's this season to be honest Stan. yeah and no, i'll, I'll hope I'll piggyback on that. Um, like we answered before when we were speaking with David, I mean, I think it should be this season. I mean, they've put together, and, and this is not my words. Like I said, I referenced Mike Clay, who, like I said, does a really good job of projections. He's originally an Eagles fan, so there's no chance he has any lean or bias toward the Giants um, in their favor. And he put them as having a top-eight roster. If you really look up and down this roster, the few weaknesses are offensive guard, 
inside linebacker maybe, but I think there's a chance Tate Crowder can progress there as well. And then I guess some would say receiver. Honestly, I don't even feel like if they don't even draft a single receiver, and I don't want them to do that. There's so many good ones in this class. But I still don't think that would be a weakness, honestly, to be completely honest with you. With Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, even Ross, who I kind of like, and then Ingram kind of working off the line of scrimmage um, for whatever he's worth maybe <laughs> these days. But but like I said, I mean, this is a really strong roster, and I, I agree with you. <clears> this, this should be the year that we get excited about this team again, get excited about Sundays. And it's not about just like, winning a, a crap division with six wins and or seven wins or whatever it was last year when they were quote unquote competing for a division that was fake. And this year I think it can be real. I think they can get out to maybe a six and three type start or get out to a situation where every Sunday matters and they're competing for playoffs and seeding and potentially winning the division with a respectable record. But it is a lot going to come down to Daniel Jones. He has to at minimum play like he played during that stretch, starting with the Bengals game leading up, or I'm sorry, starting with, the Washington game, I believe it was, leading up to the Bengals injury. Or there was one – I'm now blanking on it. Yeah, he got hurt, he got hurt in the Bengals game. He got hurt in the Bengals game. But that first half <clears throat> yep. against the Bengals is what, you need, what you're going to have to see more of. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really think this should be the season. And obviously, obviously, if this is not the season, quite obviously they have to completely get rid of Gettleman. Like, it's not even – it won't even be a question. They spent so much this offseason after letting him spend every single offseason but – 2019 and they dipped into their future and they've had their fourth straight top 11 pick overall including the year they had three first on picks enough would be enough so uh, of course this would be this would be the breaking point i think for for hopefully everyone all right so let me ask you this and if you guys have addressed this i apologize but um who would be a guy that you've heard mocked to the giants for the draft that you would hate for them to take Mm hate for them to take i honestly don't know okay we're talking about the 11th pick stand i'm imagining uh i mean or or perhaps second round i mean just someone that you've heard mocked to them by like a quote-unquote source or an expert or whatever honestly i i don't really think i have someone i would completely hate i wouldn't want i mean if we're gonna go back a couple months them to reach on someone like gregory rousseau at pick 11 because that was something that was yeah. mocked in the offseason. But even if, if they yeah. wouldn't go with someone like Quiddy Pay, I would say that I'd probably be disappointed because I feel like they could have traded back and I feel like they would probably have passed up on other values. So there are guys that I would be disappointed in. But all in all, if, as long as I'm getting a good player, I'm not going to probably like throw a fit. I would be a little bit disappointed if it was someone <clears> like Quiddy Pay, which realistically it still can be. Yeah, for me right. there, I would say I'm kind of just exactly on board with Nick. I'm not going to there's probably not a remote control throw pick uh, for me. I, I really have to think about it. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything crazy, like take, a, take the D-tackle from Bama or anything stupid like that. I mean, I guess a remote control for me would be if they trade back and then they take the Bama defensive tackle, Barrymore. If they do that, that's, that's, that's one that I'm going to say is just devastatingly bad. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think he's that good to begin with. Let's start by saying that. Let's not even mean. speak of that. I don't even yeah, want to, yeah. I don't even want to hear that. But I will be disappointed with any edge. Gettleman's listening I, to this. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, he, he certainly won't be listening to uh see there's so many Homer podcasts he can listen to over us that <laughs> just talking about how good the Giants are. But I will say this, I will be disappointed in any edge taken at 11. I will certainly be disappointed because in my mind, none of these edges, I really don't even think any of them are worth a top 32 pick personally. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I I really don't start feeling comfortable taking any of these edges until like day two. So for me, if you take any at 11, it's it's a super disappointing pick for me. All right. 
here's another question for you guys about the draft. If you had to put money that the Giants would trade back into the first round, who would be the player they'd be trading to get? Trade back up so they, into the first round? Yeah, okay. so they pick at they pick at eleven and then yeah. they trade their second plus something else, their second round plus something else, uh, to trade back into the first round to grab someone who's sliding. Kyle Pitts, in my mind. Well, no, no, I, I, I'm no, he's talking like about in, trading into the, into, back, like, into the back of the first. Like the DeAndre oh, okay. Baker trade. Okay. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Misheard. Uh, so <clears> who would be sliding? I'm, I'm imagining, say they go Devonta Smith at 11 or whatever, then they're going to be doing that for an edge. So maybe like Jason Owa, somebody that I would probably throw into that category. Aziz Oshalari has some knee things going on right now, but if that all checked out, according to them, he'd be another player I'd put in there. For me, it wouldn't be any of those edges. Uh, I'm fine taking a shot on O at 42, but I wouldn't want to trade multiple assets for that risk. For me, it would be if they go edge at 11 or if they go anybody at 11 that's not a receiver, it would be Elijah Moore for me. I would be totally fine with it, and I hate trading up. So it's, I'm not totally fine with it because I really don't think they can afford to give up any of their picks. But if they trade up for Elijah Moore after going with an edge or Parsons or something like that or Slater – I, I could live with that because I love Elijah Moore. And another guy I would put in there is Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma center. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be good with that. Pull pull a little Saints action. Saints took uh, the kid from Michigan, who I'm now for blanking on, the interior offensive lineman from Michigan. What's his name, Nick? The uh, the kid well, last year? Uh, Cesar Ruiz. Yes, yeah, Cesar Ruiz. Yep. So Who would, who would be those... the center if they picked him? Would they Would they kick him out the guard? Well, Nick was talking about it before, either on, on a recent podcast or we were talking about this off pod. He, from all the tape he's watched on Creed, he thinks Creed can play guard. So I would, I would think that's a good problem to have for the coaches. They can decide in camp if they want to move Gates to guard or if they want to keep Gates at center and put, and put Humphrey in to compete with Hernandez and Lemieux. Okay. All right. One more question for you guys. So I, I don't know if you guys are – how intrigued you are by it, but I'm pretty intrigued by this whole NFC East, like three picks in a row thing combined with the possibility for Washington to trade up for a QB. I think there's an outside chance we could have four straight NFC East picks. Um, Do you think that that plays into their strategy at all? Or do you think that they just don't care? For instance, do you think that they might uh, approach whether they trade or not uh, based on or, or who we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do they pick based on what the Eagles behind them might do? 
I honestly won't. Uh, I can't say definitively. I would imagine that it's probably <clears throat> they, they they're aware of it and they would acknowledge it. And I don't know what uh, inside information they have into what the Eagles might be doing. But I'm going to say I know that teams always draft to defeat their division, and they draft to get an upper hand on their division. So I'm imagining it's probably something that they consider, but I just don't know how much information they would have. Yeah, I'll echo what Nick says. I think especially with Gettleman, I don't think they're going to be too focused on what other teams are doing. I think they're more so focused on what they can do to to better the Giants in their opinions. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, keep producing all that great content. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us, Dan. All right, we're going to limit the next ones to just one question each just because we do have a lot more speaker requests than we've quite literally ever had. I've never seen a queue like this, which is exciting. But at the same time, we want to get to more of you or hopefully all of you. So right now we're going to throw on Matt, the Aussie down under. Matt, what's going on, my man? What's up, Matt? Hey, hey man. How you guys going? Chilling, bro. Oh, I like it. How you going? That's, I haven't heard that in a long time, Matt. <laughs> um, I'll make I'll make it quick. I've got um I'm in the middle of a, a music class at the moment. I'm a teacher down here, and we're we're at the middle nice. of class. So I've got a lot of kids looking at me, going, "What is he doing?" Um, <laughs> two two things I'm I'm looking at in the last couple of weeks. Um, seeing um whoever of Patrick Satan and J C Horn doesn't go to Dallas, being mocked to us, and like I'm I'm fairly new to the game, like I talked to you about you know recently, Dan, and I'm. I don't really understand why that seems to be a popular pick outside when we've got Bradbury and we just got Adoree Jackson and it seems like a Barry, Barry's done a home a little bit. So I don't know if you guys could ease my concern about that being a pick there or like explain to me what you guys think if that was the case or that was the way to go. Because when you were talking about um, people you might be disappointed in, I feel like for me, if, if they were to pick a corner at 11 over everyone else that could be there, that's something where I'd be a bit like, oh, why did why did they make that decision? So I don't know if you guys can talk to that for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with my, my take on that. Well, I'll start by saying this, Matt. I would think that there is a 90 point, I'll give it only 90%, let's say for now, chance that that's smoke, that that's pre-draft smoke. You have to, like, since you said you're new to the game, I'll, I'll say something here that I fully believe in. Once you get to the 10 to 14 day mark before any draft, about 40 to 50% of what you hear is going to be just garbage. It's either going to be leaked by the agents to try to drive their players up. It's going to be leaked by teams on purpose to try to get other teams drafting around them off their scent. Or it's going to be leaked by accident. Like in the draft when the Giants selected Eli Apple, they by accident accidentally leaked their interest in Leonard Floyd. And then the Bears traded up one spot for them. And their interest in Jack Conklin. And then the Titans traded up one spot before them to get those guys. So I'll start by saying that. But for me... Why would I not hate that pick as much as I would hate uh, an edge? For me, it's just totally based on my evaluation of the player. I think that prospects like J.C. Horn are really rare, first of all, and I feel really confident that he can be a really good corner in the NFL. And I don't feel that confident really about any of the edges except for Jalen Phillips, but Jalen Phillips has such a big off-field you know, concern to me with the fact that, one, he retired from football, 
Tui has the concussions that twice in a row. And now there's a wrist injury, apparently, that people are talking about that he's been dealing with and that people are scared off of. And that just adds up to too many red flags for me. So I get it. You don't really need Horn. But I've just never been a big believer in drafting for need. Like, if you can put another great corner on this roster and you have a situation where, yeah, it would bury Darnay Holmes a bit. But at the same time, you then have unbelievable depth and the chance to build something similar to kind of what the Ravens have done with their corners, where they at one point had three really great corners lining up for them week after week. And teams just simply couldn't move the ball on them because they had so so much good coverage. So that's my take on it. I'm curious if you differ on that, Nick. I don't really differ on that. I would like them to go in another direction, but I don't think it's crazy to go a J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan based on the evaluations of the players and what those players can do. And you got to think, man, last year the Giants kind of got lucky in the secondary at the corner position specifically because James Bradbury only missed one game. I think Darnay Holmes missed a handful of games, like three three games. And then their second cornerback spot was so bad that we saw so much Ryan Lewis, Isaac Yadam, and players like that. It's it, it can be really quick, man. An injury happens here, another injury happens there, and then you're just zapped to your depth and you're just relegated to zone coverage the entire time. So uh, it's not something that I that I necessarily – it's not my first choice, but if they were to go in that direction, I know they're adding a good football player who can help the team. Do you, do you worry then that – like if you look at Jeff Akuda and, uh, Akuda and the Lions where he kind of struggled coming in to start, do you worry that these guys wouldn't necessarily give the same impact that you might get from – you know, a Devonta Smith or a, you know, whoever else at, at 11 that you could get, like they don't get that same impact? I absolutely worry about that for, yeah. for the year one, to be honest, just because that person's not going to start. Sertain or yeah. Casey wouldn't start early on, but they would be, you know, ingratiated into the lineup. And then you'd hope that Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury don't get injured. And then you would hope they would become a bigger part of your defense after James Bradbury's contract runs out after the 2022 season, I believe. And, and then you would just hope that they would, uh, get up to speed with everything it would kind of be an embarrassment of riches similar to like what dan was talking about with baltimore but i do agree that devonta smith would be a better addition right now for for the team to win right now yeah and i, I agree with that too i will just say this as one parting note matt matt if you start to get into the game of who can help us right away the most i think that's one of the bigger mistakes teams can make when approaching the draft i think what you really should be looking for at all times is can this guy be a five-year starter for me or more importantly, especially if you're picking within the top range of blue chips, which I would say varies from draft to draft, but is anywhere from like 12 or like 12 to 18 players per class. Let's say if you're picking in that range, you can even be looking at like, can this guy be a 10 year starter potentially for my team? Because that's ultimately how you win in the NFL. It's not it, filling the needs. Is nice. Like you would obviously love to fill the needs in a perfect scenario, but, but um, I, I think ultimately the, the better approach is to find the best players. And I, and I agree with Nick, by the way. I don't want them to go in this direction. Cool. Love to hear it, guys. Thanks for down under. Appreciate it. Awesome, Matt. Thanks for joining us, bro. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's go up to the next in the queue, and that's Anthony Zaro. What's going on, Anthony? Hey, guys. How's it going? Great picture, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Plax <Plaxico>, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I swear, Giants. Giants totally would have won that in 2008 if it, if it wasn't for his uh, for, his, for his little incident there. Completely agree with that statement. <laughs> That's so the best like, Giants roster I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was ridiculous. That was a, that was a great team, man. Um, like also to just to piggyback on that that smoke and mirrors stuff before the draft. I saw I saw a thing by Peter Schrager. I think it was. It was where the Giants trade up to four to draft Kyle Pitts. 
Yep, I saw. So like that. they trade Ingram like the first, uh, like two first round picks and stuff or something. That was ridiculous. Hopefully um, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so as well. Uh, so, uh, my question is, uh, can you guys give me like your top three that you want at eleven? Like, you know, just on your big board, you know, like kind of make it reasonable, I guess. You know, like it's like no Penny Suel or Pitts or anything like that. Just, just a reasonable, like you know, top three that you want at eleven. For me, realistically, I think I would just go Slater, Waddle, Smith. To be honest. Yeah, I'll then, say it's the exact same thing for me. It, it, it's strange, man, because we're picking at 11, and so many things can happen before the Giants pick. You know, usually we're so used to picking so damn high, Dan, right? We're so used to <laughs> being, oh, well, if this happens, then this will happen. The Giants can get this guy. But this year at 11, like, so many things can happen. We don't know. Players could, like, Penny Suel could slot, for all we know. There are a lot of reports that a lot of teams are higher on Slater because technically he's much more refined than someone like So I just don't see it happening because the guy is such a freak size, speed kind of combo type of uh, offensive tackle. But he also didn't play in 2020. Are they going to overthink that? I'm not sure. It's just, it's uh, it's exciting. But those would be my three. Yeah. And I will add this, Anthony. I don't think it's as unrealistic as you think for them to have those guys that you mentioned at their disposal when it comes to Sewell or Pitts. Because mm-hmm. if what I'm hearing is is accurate, there's a good chance Atlanta's going to be going with a quarterback, which, by the way, they 100% should be picking at four in my mind with this class. And then I've been hearing a lot now about Carolina going quarterback at their pick, which I believe is seven. Um, and that would be Fields or Lance, whichever one is not selected by Atlanta. I think they'll go, Atlanta will go with Field. I'm um, sorry, Lance. And then I think I've been hearing Carolina could be leaning towards Fields. And that one surprised me with David Tepper as their owner. I believe that he has shown and proved that he is going to get very aggressive about finding a quarterback. He went after Teddy, then he went after Sam. I think he's taken a lot of shots and dart throws. And so if that happens and five quarterbacks come off the board and you also have a team you know, like the Bengals, you know, you have teams in there who may not be necessarily targeting wide receiver. I don't know. I feel like there's a decent chance, you know, someone that you're not expecting could fall to that pick. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, like what I was thinking is the more quarterbacks taken before the, before the Giants, the better. Yep. Because then, because then, you know, we have our shot at, at anything. And like, you're right. There's so many like this, like things that are in the air, like, you know, it, it, it it used to seem like a lock that the Bengals were going to take uh, Penny Sewell, but you know, you know, they might take Chase now. You know, re- reunite Chase with Burrow, and you right. know, there's there's just so many just what ifs, eh? That's the beauty of the draft, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, well, thanks for asking my question, guys. I've I've never been like I've never known more about a draft than this year's draft, and that's thanks to you guys. So thank you. Really appreciate that, Anthony. It means a lot to hear that. Yeah, thank you so much, Ant. Take care, guys. All right. Let's Be get well, on bro. Stevie Bob. What's going on, Stevie Bob? Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing, my man? Stevie Bob, what's going on, bro? Good. Your old friend Stevie Bob from Colorado here. Dude, anybody from Colorado. I should have moved you up the queue just, just because of that, but I felt bad already moved uh, Matt up the queue. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. So being here in Colorado, it's always hard for me to try and talk to you guys at this time because we're eating dinner. But right. I, I was like, I got to jump in and talk to you guys before the draft starts. Well, happy you did. What's going yeah, on? I appreciate man? all the work you guys have done. So here's Thank here's you. my question for you. So <clears throat> I am personally, I think Micah Parsons has the ability to transform our defense. And I thought it was interesting that Gettleman – 
talked about <clears throat> Judge and this coaching staff really wanting two-way linebackers who can do it all. And a good buddy of mine went to Penn State, and I was talking to him about Parsons, and he says, yeah, well, in high school, Parsons was an edge rusher. And I'm like, why can't he be an edge rusher in the NFL? And I'm like, I know two guys who can probably tell me, but what do you guys think about that? I mean, is there any chance the Giants say, you know, maybe he's not a full-time pass rusher, but is this a guy who they could say, you know, he fills a need at edge rusher because we can have him rushing off the edge, say, 30 to 50 percent of the defensive snaps a game and so you know maybe they say we're going to draft him and try and bulk him up I mean I don't know about frame or whether his skill set really transitions but knowing that that's what he did in high school and that he got good pass rushing grades when he was in college what do you guys think about that yeah I mean listen this is probably one of the reasons why Nick and I were so excited about Parsons to begin with and I still remain excited about the possibility you said it best I mean he entered Penn State as an edge rushing prospect that's the position he came in as they kind of converted him but like you said that defense is very multiple at Penn State that's kind of why the Giants fell in love with Cam Brown so I think some kind of role here and I'll ask Nick because I'm curious what Nick thinks about that idea like more of a hybrid role. I think even if he's not in a hybrid role, and let's say he's just playing next to Blake for the majority of his snaps, you could still have him generate pressure from the in, in the A and B gaps. If you remember last year, the Giants finished 12th in the NFL in sacks. Not all of those sacks were around the edge. A lot of those sacks were, I, won't, I don't want to call them cleanup sacks, but they were sacks that were somewhat coverage sacks. And I think that's kind of where he can dip and drop and in cover into his own and then attack late in a down, late in a snap. And so I'm definitely excited by it. What do you think, Nick? No, I definitely am. And I think that uh, his skill set translates well. I don't think he has to go to be a full-time edge. He doesn't have to be somebody, you know, two-point stance, always on the edge. He could just do something that similar to what Cam Brown did, his former teammate in college, only in a much more enhanced stage where he's playing 80, 85, 90% of the snaps and not relegated to a smaller role. But you can use him as an edge rusher if you need to. You can use him on, on twist games and stuff like that in the middle. Right next to Blake Martinez is blitzing. He's very, very effective doing that. You can drop him in coverage. It's just he's basically going to be a movable chess piece for your front, and you can use him as well in coverage, like I said. So you can do a lot of different things with a player like Micah Parsons, and I would not – I would not if, – if everything checks out with that player, I would love to have him as, as a New York Giant. It's just it all has to check out. He can't have a handler, and he has to be able to buy into the whole system, and those are just things I can't really speak on. Yep, agreed. Awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you taking my question, and I look forward to hearing more good draft content in the lead-up. Yeah, man, thanks for joining us. Happy to finally have you on, Stevie Bob. Yeah. Thanks, Stevie Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on. Hoodie Zay, another new first-time, new-time caller. What, you there, Hoodie? What's going on, man? Yo. What up? Damn, man, I, I, didn't, know they had, I didn't know they had giant stuff like this on here. I've oh, just yeah, been man. seeing 49ers. I've just been seeing the 49ers all here. Oh, dude, we've been this... doing this every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Oh, man, I don't be on locker room. No, uh, but I wanted to talk about the draft, obviously. And I feel like this draft, you have they have to nail – with the first two picks, they have to nail it with the first two picks. Now, personally, like at 11, this seems to be like the last three years, out of the last three years, this seems to be the most like confusing who are the Giants going to pick. Because last year, it was obvious we were going to pick offensive line. 
then it seemed like we was going to pick quarterback, but a different position as well. Then Saquon was available. It just seemed – what do y'all think, like, we should really pick? Personally, I'm all for Jalen Waddle at 11 if he's available. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Hoodie Zay. I'm a huge Jalen Waddle fan. I, I, I do not mind adding high-quality players – at the offensive line at pick 11, at the wide receiver position at pick 11. And I'm not opposed to certain defensive players as well. I mean, the whole edge thing, I do believe it's going to be a reach if they do select an edge at 11. Like I said, Jalen Phillips is a top 10 talent, but you can't ignore all of those red flags. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, the concussions, the quitting of football, and now there's a wrist thing that a lot of teams are uh, feel like could really hinder his NFL career. I mean, that's, that, that's a lot. So for me, it's really... Uh, the players, mainly with Sean Slater, Penny Sewell, if Kyle Pitts were to fall, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. And then I would throw Micah Parsons in there in those corners. But, I mean, that's more so – like I'm not, I wouldn't be totally pleased with that. That would more be a uh, uh, something where I'm like, okay, it's a good football player, but I don't know if that's the right direction when you have guys like the uh, the players I just named before on the board as well. Yeah, 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 Hoodie. I'm with Nick on this one. I mean, we, we do see eye to eye a lot, but that seems even more so recently. But – I think one thing to take away is all those players I'm with him on, Waddle, Smith, Parsons, Slater, Sewell, um, Sewell are my favorite five. But we both have Waddle as our wide receiver, too, behind Chase. So we would probably prefer Waddle um, if those linemen aren't there. And, yeah, I feel like Devontae Smith and Waddle will both be a good pick. Yep. I just feel like we need. I just feel like we need that speed to go with Kenny Galladay and um, Darius Slayton. You know, maybe maybe not keep Stanley Shepard around because, you know, he's been a health issue for, like, the last three years now. Right, we just need separation. That's all we need, really, on the offensive side. And to help Daniel Jones in his development because he has all these weapons now. There's no excuse. You need to perform. You have to. Yeah, no doubt, man. But um, appreciate y'all, man. Hey, right, Hoodie Zay. Us, Hoodie. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, what's, what's up, man? Hey, dude, enjoy the draft, man. Let's hope, let's hope we get some Jalen Waddle. Let's hope we bring back a number 17. Uh, I hope. All right, man. Have a good one, bro. All right, Notorious VIG is next. What's going on, Notorious VIG? Notorious, what's up? Are you there? Notorious. Yo, nope. yo, yo, what up? What, I don't know what it is, but you guys always go silent uh, on this app when when it's my turn. And that's how I know it's my turn. So it's not so bad. Hopefully it's not <laughs> too bad for you. <laughs> What's going on, bud? All right. So um, I am a um, begrudging subscriber to the YouTube channel. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but that font... That bubble font of big blue banter, you gotta step that up, man. Which font? Which font? There's gotta be some cutie in like the CVS graphics room that wants to do your laundry. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this 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 YouTube page is totally unrelated to CVS, and we don't want them in on it because we want that to be our own thing. Fair, fair enough. Fair. And unfortunately for us, me me and Nick are unbelievably novice when it comes to youtube video graphics editing all that we're going to get better at it we promise that but but here but here's the thing i mean the fans love you throw out a tweet you'll get you'll, you'll get you'll, you'll get 10 logos in in a day yeah you're right about stuff. that that's not a bad idea 
All right. So um, now, now that we're throwing out crazy thoughts, um, if you look at there's, there's like the two, there's the Jimmy Johnson trade chart. There's that Rich Hill one. There's probably others. Um, yeah. Presuming four QBs get taken before Detroit. A third this year and a third next year is a good trade for Detroit to move back from seven to 11. Now, if there's no quarterback that someone's going to trade up for, you know, it's probably decent value. Would you make that trade, give up a third this year, a third next year to move up for either Pitts or Sewell? And if so, if not, why not? I think that's interesting, to be honest. I would uh, definitely think about it. Ultimately, I may say no, because I believe there's going to be players at 11 that I still have a very high grade on. And I do believe that the Giants should have more than just six picks going into this draft. I would like for them to kind of get more uh, selections for this draft, especially since they have like 46 contracts that are expiring after the 2021 season. Yeah. So uh, that's probably where I would go, to be honest. But it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, for me, I also definitely lean strongly no on this because of their situation right now. With only six picks in this draft class, then they'd be getting rid of another one in next draft class. And like Nick said, most importantly, I think, is the fact that they have so many expiring contracts and they already dipped into a lot of their cap space for next year. Plus, they might do that Saquon Barkley extension next year. I I got to be honest with everybody no here. I don't, I don't no really chance. want that to happen. But Zero chance. I wouldn't zero say that chance zero, zero chance of happening. Year. If they win eleven games and win a playoff game, they I would and Gettleman is here for another four years. I think you're crazy to think there's zero percent chance Dave Gettleman will redo Saquon Barkley's contract. Uh, I don't know. I don't, he, this is the guy who drafted him at two, so I guess it depends entirely on that to me. But either way, regardless of all of that, I I feel like it's too dangerous to give up all these assets for one player, especially because it's not like you know if you're stuck at eleven let's say, and they and they don't do that, and all those quarterbacks are already off the board. There's going to be some team that makes that deal, let's say, for and trades up. And in that sense, that means one of those guys is off the board, and you're still going to have a good chance to get Slater, uh, Smith, or Waddle there at 11. I don't think you're losing two out on two. I don't think you're losing out, I guess, on two third-round picks worth to make that move, I guess is how I'd break it down. All right. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. But don't you – don't you feel that the difference between the teams that are kind of, you know, contending for the playoffs versus contending contending for deep in the playoffs, are those real difference makers? I mean, I, I, Slater's a nice player. Smith, Waddle, they're going to be nice players. I don't think that they're all pros. I think they're going to be great players. Pitts is a difference maker. Sewell could be... Could be. I don't know. I'll leave it to you guys. But he could be if, if he lives up to the hype. Yeah. Better lineman than everyone from last year and for the last five years. Right? Those I think that's a fair way to look at it. Honestly, I really do. But I just, I guess, have a different opinion of what both Waddle and Smith can become. Like, for example, would you consider Calvin Ridley to be on the brink of, if not, an all-pro type of receiver right no. now? You would? No. Okay. All right. No. I, and, I just... and 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 Dan, you I mean and and from the the receiver side and the running back side, 
right? You look at all the playoff teams. As long as you have a decent quarterback and you have that line and you have, they are the least important to have that all pro. Right? I agree with that, but you're you're talking about Kyle Pitts, who's not gonna all of a sudden become the next Gronk or you know another one of those two way tight ends. Like he's an okay blocker, he's a decent frame to become a better blocker, but he's also going to be very similar to what you're going to get as far as from offensive side of the ball, just from a production standpoint, to one of those receivers. Like you're, he's not going to be your two way guy, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, don't you think that a guy like Pitts and I'm, and I'll let it go after this. A guy like Pitts does more for Barkley, not in that he blocks, but that defense has to respect the middle of the field. I He's think... going to do more than a good offensive lineman for Barkley. I think you can make that same argument for Jalen Waddle, though. Yeah. Because yeah. Jalen Waddle, like, I'm telling you, defensive coordinators, man, they were going to be pulling their hair out to try to figure out how to cover the Giants' offense with Saquon in the backfield and Jalen Waddle manning the slot or even as the number two. You can even put him outside. It's just you're going to have to cloud cover this guy somehow, and that's going to remove players from the box, opening up more rushing lanes for Saquon Barkley. But I, I understand where you're coming from. You're not wrong from a nexus no standpoint whatsoever. I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to be a mismatch nightmare in the NFL. just depends on how you view it, I guess. Okay. And I think Pitts is literally the best player in this non-QB in this class. So, like, I get it. I wouldn't be opposed to this, really, if he starts to slide like that. They're just in such a tough spot because they've given up so many of their picks for Leonard Williams, Isaac Yidem, and, and so on and so forth that you just it, – it's tough to continue giving up picks with all the expiring contracts. Remember, like, I know it's rare to hit on these, these mid-round picks, like a third-round pick. It is pretty rare. I, I will agree with that. But right. the reward when you do hit on those guys, it's four years under team control for one million against the cap. Like it's just irreplaceable. That four years, one mil against the cap each year, it's so hard to replace that. Yeah, I hear you. But that's where you have a second, a fourth, and a fifth, four two. I mean, it gets pretty flat once you get to that third round. I agree. Right? Which is why Belichick keeps trading back, right? Because that difference between that third and the fifth rounder is scheme fit. Right, it's uh, personality fit, right? Team captains, all that, yada yada, right? Yeah, um, you know the real difference makers are gone. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, I hear you. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Okay, I, I just I'll think there's you. also a, a correlation to the fact that they found contributors like Lemieux and and Tay Crowder, and even to an extent Cam Brown and Carter Coffin because they had six picks on day three versus in past classes where they've had you know as few as just two or three picks in day three. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So now now my friends are going to spank me because you guys shot me down. But thanks. Yeah, no, I get it, though. I like it. All right. Um, Have all a good right. one, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank hey, you take care, Notorious. All right. Felix, what's up, man? I, Felix, is. The, we've been interacting with Felix on Twitter for a damn long time. I'm glad you finally decided to join the show, Felix. How you doing, man? What's up, bud? Hey, what's, what's going on? Can you all hear me? Yeah, man. Awesome, yo. So yeah, long time uh, follower of what you guys do. Really appreciate the work you guys do. Um, I'm kind of like a amateur draft nick myself. I'm like working on my own little like ranking list and stuff. And uh, so you guys work, I always appreciate, always listen. Um, so yeah, happy to be here, man. Um, just a quick question. One thing I've noticed, um, at least with Gettleman with the Giants, in all three years that he's been leading the franchise, he has almost like tripled down at, at least one position. So like 2018, uh, I want to say it was, it was, uh, 
Um, and defensive line, because I know he went, uh, or like pass rusher front seven, because he went BJ Hill, um, RJ McIntosh, um, and somebody earlier on. I'm, I'm blanking right now. Yeah, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Carter. And then 2019, you know, DeAndre Baker, Corey Ballantyne, um, and there's one other person I'm blanking again. Oh my Julian God. Love. Yep, there we go. Julian Love. And then obviously last year, offensive line. So my question is, you know, a lot of talk about receiver, pass rusher. Um, what position do you think is more likely to be one that they would like, you know, double down or triple down on um, coming into uh, this this draft? And oh, I saw somebody in the chat said Sam Beal too. So yeah, like which position would you say you think you could see them spending more assets on um, than just one? I see you stand. Nice Sam Beal drop there for the uh, supplemental draft. But I would say edge. To be honest, Felix, Edge would be the the easy choice for me, just because they they need so many bodies there, and their two returning starters are coming off of surgeries, and they add guys like Ryan Anderson, who's a nice run defender, and Odenabo, who I feel like is a high upside guy who can have an impact. But still, there's just a dearth of talent, proven talent mm-hmm. on the roster at that position. So definitely Edge. Yeah, for me, for me, it would be wide receiver. I talked about this in my five step uh, blueprint for what I would think would be a perfect Giants draft, and I think. When you draft into the strength of a draft class, and I think they did a great job of that last year by drafting two offensive tackles, and I wrote about that in my pre-draft article as well. I said, listen, this is a really deep, talented offensive tackle class. They can get two. Don't be afraid to get two. And I feel the same way about the wide receiver position in this class. And obviously, that was also the case in last class. So that would be the one for me. Oh, awesome, awesome. And I know you guys were restricting it to, to like, one question a person, but, like, outside of uh, your – affinity for chase waddle you know like in the first round is there somebody second third round that you would see like to your point dan you said you could see them doubling down at receiver is there a second guy that you would want like maybe in the third or uh the fourth or something like that yeah i mean i'm gonna stick with oh yeah go ahead nick no i was just gonna say if someone like uh elijah mitchell would have fallen the second or uh diami brown in the third those would probably be names that i would throw out there but dan who, who you got yeah, and I know I know you meant Elijah Moore there for for a second yeah. round. Mitch, Mitch yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But, no, I know. <laughs> but for me, looking a little going uh, to what you said, third and fourth round, I'll say for fourth round it would be Josh Palmer, the wide receiver at a Tennessee, the wide receiver at a Tennessee. Love this kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a stud. Going a little deeper than that, Simi Foku out of Stanford. No, he's older. Yeah. He went on a mission, but you just don't see guys with that kind of lateral agility at that size, and that to mm-hmm. me is the type of players that you take a risk on around that around those picks because you don't really need you don't you don't need the guys who dominate at the collegiate level but have no shot in the pros and then one guy me and me and nick have been on for a while probably again more of a day three guy would be amir smith marset out of iowa we've both watched enough big 10 football i've watched so much iowa i could just see this kid <laughs> is a difference maker and he's so he's not that far off from the rondell moores and he is but he's not at that level mm-hmm. but he's not too far as far off as people think from the Rondell Moores and the Elijah Moores of this draft class, and you're going to get mm-hmm. him 100, 150 picks later. So he's another guy I got my eye on. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate the answers. I, I remember you guys talking about Smith Marset when you talked to my boy, uh, my boy Zach, on uh, one of your pods. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was an awesome pod, by the way. I'm really happy I had him on. But thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys talking to me. Yeah, thanks for joining, Felix. It was great to have Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Take care, man. Take care, so bro. All right, we're already going longer than we ever have, but we want to get to everybody tonight. Why not? You guys have been waiting for a long time, so let's get to the last two here. We'll start with Mike. What is going on, Mike? How you doing, my man? Hey, what's happening, guys? What's up, not Mike? Much. 
Oh, man, I can't complain. Uh, a couple quick things. One, Nick, man, you're like really blowing up, man. You're like on everybody's uh, podcast. I hit, I hit on, I hit locked on Giants. You're on there. You're on a whole bunch of different things. I'm like, man, these guys are like the Beatles now. All of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Congratulations on all the success because you guys are really, really good at what you guys do. Thank um, you so much. Like, uh, Dan, I'll have to ask you about fantasy when fantasy comes around. Since I found out that you're on the editor side of CBS, I've yes, been sir. in that, I've been in the CBS league since 2002. Awesome. So I'll have to ask you about that down the line. But my couple, I have two questions, and I'll make them short and sweet. One, I think we have to start to look at the draft a little bit differently um, because we keep saying what's Gettleman's going to do, what is Gettleman going to do, and I really think that it's a Joe Judge. I mean, if you look at last year when he took the linebackers and as many as he took, that's a New England staple, linebackers. Um, when you look at this draft and what we need versus what might be available, I think it's also going to be something that's very similar to England, like guys that are versatile. So I could see us taking, you know, like you guys said, a, a Slater or – the Elijah Vera Tucker from USC guys that are multiple in any aspect because didn't they they cross train the line so that's somebody that that's that's one of the things and then the other thing I had to say was um, Rondell uh, Moore from Purdue um, I don't know how old you guys are but do you guys remember Dorian Bryant from Purdue I do not uh, know I actually okay. don't unfortunately okay. yeah, he's like 2003 2004 um, okay like wide receiver, but um, I remember him from Purdue, and that's who he reminds me of. But I just don't see those type of guys fitting into Jason Garrett's offense. Now, if it's another coordinator that comes by, potentially, but I just think that Jason Garrett's offense is just so, um, what's the word, old, that (laughs) um, I don't see those type of guys fitting in his system, like those those jet sweep guys, those Tyreek Hill guys. Um, and to, to a caller, you know, a couple a couple uh, uh, minutes ago that said that you don't really need a wide receiver. I, I mean, both Super Bowl teams had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Godwin, <laughs> Mike Evans. So you need wide receivers. Uh, you just don't need them at premium picks. You got to hit on them. But um, that's all I really had. Um, that's all. Yeah, no, I, I would uh, agree with you. First off, uh, do you want us to call you Marcel or Mike? My name's Marcel. But okay. everybody at work calls me Mike, so it's all good. I answer to both. Okay. Well, Marcel, my man. So I actually, I 100% agree with you. I do believe this is a – I think it's a team effort. I don't believe that it's just Dave Gettleman. When I, when I say just Dave Gettleman, I mean it as a team effort. I know general managers tend to – they have the things that they tend to do sometimes, and obviously every general manager is going to have that. But I do believe that Joe Judge has a heavy influence on the uh, on the draft picks and on what's going on because this is more his team than it is Dave Gettleman's team at the moment. And as for Rondell Moore, I I, I agree. I, I don't think like the Rondell Moores and the Kadarius Tonys of the world. I don't think their best landing spot is in Jason Garrett's offense. I think they would be uh, better to land with probably a little bit more of a creative offensive mind that really uh, optimizes space. And that's not necessarily something he did well in 2020. Hey yeah, Nick, for me, for me, Mike, it's a it's a rare opportunity that I get to disagree with Nick these days. It's, it almost never happens. It feels like, and not by you know, not by design. We just are seeing a lot of things eye to eye these days. But I believe that from everything I've heard, from conversations I've had with one, a former NFL GM that I'm not I'm not allowed to name because it's that off the record, and the other one was with John Fox, a former coach 
from everything I've heard from them, almost every situation, the general manager is the one making the draft picks in the end. He has final say. He listens to his scouts. He listens to his coaches. He tries to do his best by them. But when it's a close call, it's generally the general manager who makes that final say. And I think Gettleman's a very old school general type general manager. So I don't think he's the type to break that mold too much. So I know there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of speculation about Joe Judge's team, all this. But I, I just personally, I just don't, I, I don't buy into it. But I mean, it could be there. It's so impossible to know. I don't think either Mick or, Nick or I feel 100% confident on that one way or another. And then as far as your other question goes, I think you can get into trouble if you're trying to draft players to fit Jason Garrett's system. Because for all we know, this could be the last year of Jason Garrett. For all we know, he could only have four more games. Joe Judge pulled the plug on Mark Colombo a few games into his first season as a Giants coach. And so he clearly has shown that that's not out off the table. And we already saw Freddie Kitchens call a game. We already saw Freddie Kitchens then get a promotion this offseason. We already saw him call a game, which, by the way, was the best called game in the entire <coughs> season, literally from an offensive call, play calling standpoint, both from the idea of running on, uh, on passing downs and passing on rundowns and all of that, you know, the personnel, everything they did in that game, despite having Colt McCoy at quarterback. He's already proven he can. So I, I wouldn't draft any players to fit Jason Garrett's system, I don't think. Okay. And then my last question, I know, Dan, you're doing stuff with CBS that night, but Nick, are you going to like break down like some of the um, picks like live on Twitter? It won't be uh, live. I mean, I'll probably tweet something about it, but Dan and I are going to release a podcast right after the draft every, every night. And then I'll also be doing work for Big Blue View and Giants Country, which is the Sports Illustrated page that Patty Trainer has. So I'll be doing work for them as well. Yeah. And just to, just to follow up on that, we're going to have a reaction podcast right after the first round concludes. So that'll be late night for anybody who wants to jump in on that or in the AM. And then we're also going to do every single day of the draft targets for the next day. So on Friday, there will be a day two targets podcast separate. And then on Saturday, there will be once again, the reaction to day two and then day three targets as well. So over under um, Eastern standard time, the last pick is called before or after 1130. I would probably say after, to be honest. Yeah, after for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, take care. Yeah, take care of myself. All right, one more here we got in. He's been waiting forever. Andrew Burke, how you doing, my man? You there, Andrew? I, I would wouldn't blame you if you're not. It's been a long it's been a long wait. Unfortunately, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, it looks like are you there, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. You guys can hear me? Yeah, yep, got gotcha, you, Andrew. Hey, yeah, same thing as that other guy. When my when you answer my uh my request, I got like that silence for like ten seconds. So, my apologies on that. I'll make this quick. Um, Dan, we talked two weeks ago. Nick, nice to uh, finally speak to you. It's been a long time listening to you guys. Hey, buddy. Um, my question for you guys is like uh, knowing the Giants like six picks at uh like what round in the draft would you think we're getting like an upgrade at interior offensive line and uh off ball linebacker? And then just just real quick, I'm just gonna so listen to you guys real quick. How bad was that trade for the Ravens between uh, them and the Chiefs? Mm, tra- it's a little trade talk. Well, I guess I'll tackle the Giants part of this. Honestly, I think a sweet spot would be uh, if, say, they don't trade back or anything like that, would be the third round where guys like Aaron Banks, Ben Cleveland, maybe Quinn Miners, the Division Three kid out of Wisconsin, Whitewater, where those guys are still around. That's if the Giants do pass on Rashawn Slater, Penne Sewell, and then they pass on like the Creed Humphreys of the world in the second round. Yeah, and I'll I'll tackle both those questions because I, I agree with Nick on that. The second 
round is a really nice sweet range, but I think there could even be value that falls to the third round there on the interior defensive line. Guys like Aaron Banks, who we've talked about at Notre Dame, and other players that we have our eye on. I mean, I'd have to take a look at my board to take a look, but I think there could be value. That falls to day three. And then to answer your other question, I, I actually had a conversation with Nick about this off the podcast, so I was curious his take on the trade. They were put in a tough spot. Both, I mean, the Ravens were in this situation because he was going to, I guess he was going to hold out because they're going to have Ronnie Staley back, who they've already extended, and he's going to play left tackle. Marquise Brown said, look, I proved I can play left tackle last year. I want to play left tackle. That's what I was born to play. And so they didn't really have any leverage. So, like, Nick was like, they got a pretty good return there considering they didn't have a lot of leverage, like getting a first-round pick. But in my mind, it's so unlikely that you're going to get somebody like Marquise Brown at that position, offensive tackle, such a high-value position, such a, such a hard-to-find position at 31 or, you know, at any of their picks, really. It's going to be hard to replace that player, certainly in 2021 and maybe – in 2022 or 2023, they may never develop into that player. So that's one thing. But I will say this, kudos to the Chiefs, man. I mean, they've been so aggressive in fixing the one flaw they had last year. And it was only a flaw due to the injuries, which is the offense. Now they added, what, Marquise? Oh, I'm sorry, not Marquise Brown. I keep calling him Marquise Brown. I'm talking. <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say anything. Orlando, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Orlando Brown <laughs> Jr., and they, they do have Marquise Brown still in the Real State. And obviously, uh, Kyle Long and Joe Thune. I mean, they're really shaping up to have a really good roster for the season. Yeah, yeah. It's been in terms of like they're never going to get past the Chiefs now. I mean, they're, that's what they're trying to do, which obviously is the goal. But um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel you guys on it. It's, it's, like he wanted to play left tackle. I get it. So, no, I mean, guys, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, you know, I, I, never, I don't mind waiting around because I usually go for a run at uh, 8 o'clock on Tuesday. So, Dan, I know you hate that. So, I don't mind, you know, waiting for you guys to take my call. Oh, run, run, run away! Going for, yeah, running, oh, running, yeah, going for running, yeah, yeah. I hate running. This is listen. I would. Here's the deal with running. I don't understand <laughs> it. I just don't understand. It. Like I could, I could play pickup basketball for two hours. When I used to live in the city, they had something called um, indoor hoops, which is this awesome idea that somebody created. I don't know if it's still going. Where he would rent out school gyms in New York, in in the city, for after you know after hours, and you go to a website, and the first fifteen people to sign up pay ten bucks. You get two hours of open court pickup basketball. You rotate in and out. I could do that every single night if I had opportunity to do that every night. I could, but if, without the competition, if you take out the competition factor where I'm competing to win something, I just can't do it. And running, there's no competition. Who am I competing against? Myself to beat my shitty time? Uh, I'll go <laughs> three and a half minutes into a into a run, Andrew, and I'll be like. I feel like I've been doing this for 22 minutes. I got to stop and I'll turn around. Um, so yeah, I, I, all the kudos to you and people like you and Nick who can do running and ha- enjoy it. But for me, man, I, I just can't do it. No, yeah, it's not for everyone. I'm actually I'm actually in Hoboken, so I got I got like a nice city view on the pier there. But uh, that is nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also I'll take what I can get. You know, especially at my time, it's not too hot out. So yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. You too. All right. We are already on our longest, our longest locker room ever, but. Todd, you did just join in, so I want to give you one chance to get in here. If you're oh. here, Todd, you what? Do you have a question for us? You want to shout out? What, what, what's up, Todd? Oh, hey guys, uh, great show as always. I always appreciate you taking the time and running late tonight. So I'll make it quick. Uh, this has been way too positive and uplifting and optimistic for Thursday night. So, what is your doomsday scenario if Gettleman somehow screws this up? I kind of feel like with all the QBs that are likely to get taken, that that's highly unlikely. But I, I just have very little faith with in Gettleman that ultimately will make the right choice. So what, what would be your worst case scenario that Gettleman would uh, be your throw the remote at 11? 
hey, at Tom, 11. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, Dan and I, we, we went over this a little bit, right? I, could you imagine yeah. if they were to go with, like, Christian Barmore or something like that? Oh, God, no. I'll give a more <laughs> realistic one, though, for just the whole draft, because we did go over this a little earlier. For me, the oh, realistic sorry. one would be – no, it's all right. You might not have been on. The realistic one would be reach for an edge at 11, whoever it may be. I'll say Quiddy Pay because he's the one I'm least interested in at 11. I think he has the lowest ceiling by far of the big names. Then, in round two, come back at it and, de- and draft Christian Barrymore if he falls. Or, like, let's say maybe – okay, let's throw that out. In round two, then um, – Let's throw that out and say they do something decent in round two. Then in round three, come back and take, like, uh, one of those Aleem McNeil or, like, an interior defensive lineman who's going to be a two-down run stopper with your round three pick. That would be, like, go reach on edge in round one, come back in either round two and round three or get an interior defensive lineman. That seems uh, that, that seems pretty awful. Okay. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, Luckily Judge for has us, his ear. Todd, and... Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want to say one thing. Luckily for us, Todd, this is – known by i've now heard this from two evaluators john ledger who we had on the podcast earlier this month and i also heard this from i believe tom pelicero or one of those big name reporters this is the worst interior defensive line class in maybe a decade so that's great news for us because that means it's less likely that dave sees one that he has to take agreed agreed thanks guys i appreciate it enjoy the show as always thanks thanks for jumping on todd All right, everyone, that's all the time we have for. As always, please do us a favor if you're listening to this on recorded version. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Hopefully it's five stars. Head over to our YouTube page, Big Blue Banter. All you got to type in on YouTube, Big Blue Banter. Hit subscribe, like a couple of those new videos. We're building that page up from the ground up, and it's in its earliest stages. Finally, you can find us on Instagram. We're posting a lot. That's NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. And then here, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m., on the locker room app next Tuesday. We'll be recapping the draft. Should be a lot of fun. Otherwise have a great rest of your night and we will talk to you guys. soon. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.